conflict is necessary and essential. Mm -hmm. But as you were illustrating with your own experience, sometimes we have no models for how to do that. Yeah. Or we have models that we don't want to model ourselves after because it was done destructively or poorly or ways that really were not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the reality is all systems incorporate moving through stages of mismatch, of conflict, of messiness in order to grow, to evolve, to deepen, to transform, like think of a butterfly. Hi, I'm Biz Kush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hi, and welcome back to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast, formerly known as the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm still adjusting to the new name but I'm very, very excited about the new focus and where we will be going with this new focus and our guests. And I'm excited to share this interview that I had with Risa Ganell today. But before we get started, I just want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for this team of mine that helps this podcast be the best it can be. My audio editor and my show notes editors, both wonderful women who work hard behind the scenes to make this podcast so fantastic. What's going on for me? As I recorded this, it's kind of still summary and working on getting some more offerings up for my coaching business, working on my licensure for Delaware so that I can see therapy clients in Delaware as well. Still all virtual with therapy and coaching feels important. And I'm not sure if I'll go back to the office. I really don't know. I have mixed emotions and it's been working you know, virtually really well. So I hesitate to one, pay rent that I don't need to pay, but also to see people face to face when I really love working from home. There's that too. I love it. I like being home with my dog. I like being in my home to do therapy. And I think it saves time and sometimes stress for people that they don't have to commute to my office to see me. But I get it. I understand face to face. There's people that are yearning for that too. So it's a balance. We will see where things go. I'm excited to share my 90-minute deep dive conversation, the Awaken Your Wise Woman conversation that is now available in my coaching website. So you can schedule it right there. Pay. You'll, there'll be a few questions you need to answer as well as pay for the session, but you can book it now. So go to elizabethcushcoaching.com for your 90 minute session with me. And 
get you on the path to awakening your wise woman. You can also sign up for the newsletter at elizabethcushcoaching.com. You get my blogs, you'll get podcast updates, you will get a mindfulness moment, ways to help you be more mindful in your everyday life, as well as some extra special discounts on the resources that are a part of the podcast too. So my conversation with Risa, she's a couples therapist here in Maryland who I've gotten to know over the years working with clients together. I'm an individual therapist. She works with couples and it's always amazing to have a trusted couples therapist to reach out to when it feels important for my clients to get some extra help. Risa facilitates relational growth. Her gifts blend wisdom with quiet strength and relationship science with empathic connection. She is skilled at being kind and fierce in the same breath, helping her clients connect to the truth to create lasting change. As a certified relational life therapist and a Maryland licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, she sees couples in her private practice in Maryland and is on a mission to strengthen the world's relationship intelligence through public speaking, summits, and retreats. She also shared with me that she is a coach for couples as well. And in our conversation, we're talking about why conflict is an integral part, an important part of relationships. Did you hear that? That we need conflict. We need conflict in our relationships to be closer, to feel connected, to truly grow. Now, does that mean we're screaming at each other all the time? No, it means we're learning how to work through conflict to heal, to connect, to move through. Reese is going to share all the components of that intimacy circuit and why each piece is so important to making those connections in conflict and deepening our intimacy. So stay tuned and let's jump into this conversation. Hi, Risa, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so glad that we were able to work this out and so fun to have recently met you, even though we're so close together in terms of geography, we are in the same state, but it's always fun to have people I know or sort of know on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And at some point now that the pandemic is uh, subsiding, perhaps we'll get to meet in person. I know that would be so, so great. So great. So if you wouldn't mind sharing for me and the listeners a little bit about you and what inspired you or led you to be a therapist for couples. Sure. So my story starts off very much the way many therapists' stories start, mm. and that is when I was in middle school, I would say, all my friends came to me to ask me for relationship advice. <laughs> right? How many of us say that? I think a lot of us do. Yeah. It's sort of like engineers often say 
well, numbers just spoke to me, right? And so for me, that's where it started in terms of my, I think, innate or perhaps, a, you know, how I was socialized came to be that connection and relationships were a big part of my personality. Mm-hmm. I was really drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little older, I went to sleepaway camp, summer camp. And out of 12 bunkmates, my parents were the only ones who were still married. Wow. Yeah. And I remember writing an impassioned letter home to my parents about how shocking this was to me at 12 or 13 years old, Mm. because it was something I'd never encountered before. Mm -hmm. And I think that experience just sort of stuck with me. Yeah. And perhaps some of the stories that my bunkmates told me and the the difficulties they were experiencing at that time in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I went on to college and studied psychology for my bachelor's. And at that time, this was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I'll date myself. Mm -hmm. You know, this was like the late 80s. (laughs) And at that time, my psychology program really focused on abnormal psychology Mm -hmm. and individuals, right? And personality Mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. And there was something about that that just didn't fit. There was something missing. I I didn't know at the time what exactly that was, but uh, there was a a disconnect there for me. Well, it's interesting you, I'm going to interrupt or whatever, inject a little, you sharing about your experience at sleepaway camp, I can remember being probably 14 or 15 and my parents separating. But at that time in my high school, I was one of the very few people whose parents weren't together. And that was very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So you were on 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 the other side of things. Side of the equation. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And alone in that because the prevalence of it around you wasn't as high as my bunkmates. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, as I went on to study psychology, I was introduced to marriage and family therapy, Mm -hmm. which is something that I had never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And eventually, like when I heard that, it was, wow, exactly. Like we live in families. We are social beings. This is what's missing in terms of my learning and understanding what's going on Mm -hmm. for people. And so I pursued that degree. That's what brought me here to the state of Maryland all those years ago and pursued my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Mm, Yeah. It's interesting because I can remember, you know, for me, grad school wasn't that long ago because I went back later in life, but I can remember some of my professors saying, kind of steering us away from couples therapy. They're like, unless you're really willing to, you know, sit with people in conflict, like don't, you you don't want to go there. It's really hard. So I do imagine people do come to you for conflict. I'm sure it's not the only reason, but you know, you figure if somebody's struggling in the relationship, conflict is probably a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you see men and women handling conflict similarly, differently? Like what, what's been your experience? So 
I'm going to sort of take a, a step back if, before I answer that part of your question, if that's all right. Of course. Because I think you hit on something really important that, yes, most couples come to couples therapy because of conflict. Mm-hmm. And all relationships have conflicts. It's not just inevitable, it's essential, it's necessary mm. for growth mm-hmm. and for building intimacy. But it's something we're all either not taught to do well or often are afraid of, mm-hmm. struggle with how to do it, how do we do it well? We're not taught the skills of how to do it well. And so by the time couples come to me, it's often when one or both of them are in such distress that, you know, this is often their last step to come to couples therapy. Yeah. And, you know, that's an aspect that is unfortunate as well, because, you know, if we were to discover, let's say, a lump somewhere on our body. Mm-hmm and wait the amount of time that people wait to go to couples therapy when from when problems are discovered or really arise mm-hmm. right like couples wait on average about 6 years before seeking help wow yeah if we waited that long if we found a lump somewhere on our body mm-hmm. the prognosis wouldn't be very good mm-hmm. so unfortunately there's too much of a delay and and so that you know that's just an aspect of working with couples as they're often mm-hmm. in couples therapy when things are at their worst. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember, I mean, you know, just talking about relationally and my parents divorcing, like, honestly, I don't remember them ever arguing like ever, yeah. ever. So, I mean, I wasn't one, I wasn't exposed to conflict in relationship. I mean, other than with my siblings, which of course there was tons of that, but that wasn't handled that well either in my family. (laughs) It's kind of like go to your room and just, you know, come back when you're not arguing anymore, Right, which didn't help when you shared a room with the person you were arguing with. (laughs) But also too, that I think people perceive going to therapy, especially as couples, as like, we're going to go there when we need to fix it versus let's go to couples therapy so that we can be a better couple. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's often crisis time Mm -hmm. um, when people seek couples therapy rather than seeking it for prevention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, that's human nature. Of course. I don't, it's human nature. We, we tend to deal with things when, when we're uncomfortable enough, right? That's when change has the biggest opportunity to happen is when we're uncomfortable enough. If we're not uncomfortable enough, change isn't likely to occur. Mm, That is very true. So, you know, I was saying before about how conflict is necessary and essential, Mm -hmm. but as you were illustrating with your own experience, sometimes we have no models for how to do that. Yeah. Or we have models that we don't want to model ourselves after because it was done destructively or poorly or ways that really were not helpful. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the reality is all systems incorporate moving through stages of mismatch, of conflict, of messiness 
in order to grow, to evolve, to deepen, to transform. Like think of a butterfly. Mm -hmm. A butterfly has to go through, well, caterpillar, (laughs) caterpillar to become the butterfly has to go through messiness, through stages of, I'll say conflict or, you know, change transition. Yeah. Transition. Yeah. 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 That is essential for becoming that butterfly. Mm. Now here's a really interesting thing that I think most people will be quite surprised at, which is that in human systems, the research shows that in a typical healthy parent infant interaction, on average, 70% of the interactions are out of sync. Hmm. So I'm going to say that again, because it sounds a little odd, right? Yeah. On average, 70% of the interactions are out of sync. So what does that look like? What what am I talking about? It means, imagine you have your one-year-old with you and you're cooing and laughing and, and then you look away to address something next to you or to go do the dishes or something. And your child starts to cry or whine or try and get your attention. Mm-hmm. And there's an example of being out of sync. Your child still wants your attention, your interaction. You're not present fully in that moment. She does something to draw your attention back. There's the disconnection, mm. her trying to re-engage. And that happens 70% of the time in healthy interactions. Wow. Well, we can see that play out in our adult relationships too, right? Yeah. You say something to your partner, spouse, and they don't get it. Yep. Or they don't even hear you. <laughs> right? There's disconnection, or you swear, I told you that oh, just the other day. I feel you know? like that's half of my conversations with my husband, my yeah. husband these days. <laughs> exactly. So that disconnection is in an an inevitable part of our relation, our relationships, our interactions. Mm. And I hope rather than being something that's just surprising, that it should be a relief Mm. for everyone to hear Mm -hmm. because that's normal. It's inevitable and it allows relationships to flourish rather than stagnate and fall apart if we work through it properly. Uh, Right. Yeah. If you sort of think of the process as being periods of harmony, and then something happens that creates disharmony, and then repair and back to harmony. Mm. But I think the problem is often in the repair. Yeah, We know how to be in disharmony. We don't really know the skills well to go through repair and get back to true harmony. Yeah. Sometimes harmony just looks like sweeping it under the rug, ignoring it, not dealing with it, or agreeing to disagree, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But not true repair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because with true repair, then we're really both feeling seen, I imagine, seen and heard and validated. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So back to your original question of do men and women do this differently, handle conflict similarly or differently? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a complicated question for sure. We're socialized differently, men and women. Yes. And 
the families we grow up in shape how we handle conflict as well as, well, the patriarchy that we swim in, mm-hmm. if I can mm-hmm. use that word, Absolutely. it does influence how men and women handle conflict. Mm-hmm. The system that we live in yeah. elevates independence, autonomy, me thinking, individuality, right? Mm-hmm. And diminishes skills like empathy, thinking of others, connection, softness, kindness. Yeah. And so women's voices are often silenced. Yeah. And that happens at the systemic level of a relationship, a dyad, right? Mm -hmm. A partnership, as well as in the larger system in the world we live in. Mm. So yes, (laughs) men and women learn to handle it differently. And they do some things the same. It's complex. And the families we grow up in are where we, I'll say, download how to be in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. As I shared, I didn't have a clear picture of how conflicts could be worked through. It always felt like, I mean, sure, there were definitely times, like, especially I can remember like driving in the car when my parents disagreed about which direction they were going or whatever, and then them getting frustrated or with my mom getting frustrated with me, you know, like I knew what that felt like. It was Uh anger and frustration and, but not a lot of let's talk this through and figure out where we go from here. It was just like an explosion and then it just disappeared. Then you didn't talk about it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the model that you had. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and really there wasn't a lot of room for I would say either of my parents to really show up and talk through what was happening for either of them. I mean, I don't think yeah. that either of them are very good at addressing feelings and needs and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I uh, I guess my thoughts are like I'm recognizing or have recognized and have been working very hard to better speak up for myself, you know, Mm -hmm. be more aggressive in my, you know, what assertive, I guess is a better word. Assertive. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard work, you know, it, it takes really being in tune with myself and knowing Mm -hmm. what I need and also recognizing the times when I just want to, you know, either lash out or shut it down and go sit in my room until it blows (laughs) over, you know? Yeah. And so I guess, how are you helping couples sort of address the, this idea that, you know, conflict is, I don't know, I guess it's good, right? Like we have it to, is. we have to <laughs> figure out how to get through it and be present with it so that we feel closer to the people that we love. Well, I think that's really the key, right? Feeling closer or intimacy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Intimacy. And when we avoid conflict, we don't allow the opportunity for intimacy to grow, okay? So I think conflict and intimacy are closely connected. Mm. Hmm. And intimacy is, well, first of all, it's a skill set. It's a daily practice. It's not something you have, but something you do. Hmm. Yeah. And 
if we think about what intimacy really is, I define it as the intersection between truth and love. Hmm. I like that. So when, when there's truth, there's going to be conflict. Sometimes we have to speak up and say what either our truth is or what uh, is working or not, not working when there's conflict right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need the ability to do that, to speak the truth and there be love behind it. Right. You, you used the word before when you were talking about your own experience of managing your own upsets mm-hmm of wanting to find your voice, me too. Like I'm in this right there with you (laughs) (laughs) on a daily basis. Yeah. And you used the word, be more aggressive. I slip, you know, I know like, yeah, that's what we think of when it comes to speaking the truth. Well, and I feel like in many ways for women, that's kind of what we're socialized. Like if we're outspoken about our truths, like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's aggressive or she's a bitch or she's a whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And the finesse of this is for us as women, not to be, to emulate that, which is on the the masculine side of the energy, right? To be aggressive. Mm -hmm. We don't want to make that lateral move of having no voice to being aggressive. We want to make the move of going from having no voice to standing up for ourselves with love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big part of what I help couples do. And it's not always the women on that side, right? It's often reverse the other way. But if, if we speak about it in this way, then oftentimes it's more often women that are we're lifting their voices and finding that way to speak uh, and find their voice with love. So let me share with you sort of the framework that I use for helping with conflict in relationships. It's something I call the intimacy circuit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because as I was saying before, conflict and intimacy are closely connected. Mm-hmm. And I view it as a circuit because there are, I'll say, six elements that are essential. And when we're disconnected from one of those elements, just like electrical junctions, right, in a circuit, Mm -hmm. when any one of those pieces is disconnected or we're disconnected from one of these elements, there's no closed loop. And so intimacy is broken. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll just briefly touch on the elements of the, as I was saying, what I call the intimacy circuit. Mm -hmm. And the first is self-worth, which is what you were referring to before Mm -hmm. your own self self connection to your own self-esteem, your own self-worth, Yes. how you learned to view yourself, your belief about how you matter and to hold yourself in warm regard, flaws and all. Mm, mm-hmm. The essence of self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that would be element number one in the intimacy circuit. Element number two would be boundaries. So important. Yeah. So hard. <laughs> so hard. So hard. And I think, I think boundaries are more complex 
than we speak about them. Boundaries are much more than simply saying no. Boundaries are about not only our own physical boundaries, but our psychological boundaries around how much we let in psychologically from the others around us Mm. and how much we let out or contain our own psychology or, you know, uh, emotions to others. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's both aspects of that. And there's a continuum uh, of, of all of that. You know, I would let in my husband's opinion of let I'll just make something up a dress that I'm wearing that would matter a lot more to me. So if he didn't like it, Mm -hmm. well, that might not feel so good to me much more so than if the, I don't know, clerk at the grocery store Mm -hmm. said something, Oh, I don't like that dress, (laughs) whatever. Right. Right. And we have to know, we have to be able to turn the dial up or down based on who is giving us this information. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just some of the further complexities of boundaries that I think are really important in this circuit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when we're disconnected from those boundaries, conflict can occur and intimacy be broken. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the third thing I'm thinking of is accountability, personal accountability mm-hmm. when it comes to intimacy. Okay. That when I mess up, I'm going to hold myself in warm regard because I'm connected to my self-worth and I'm going to be accountable for how I've messed up towards the other person. Yeah. So important. Yeah. 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 And the fourth would be vulnerability. Learning to be vulnerable in a way that keeps us protected Mm -hmm. and connected. Yeah. Got me thinking about all kinds of things here, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because if we're not fully showing up with our, you know, in, in a, in an intimate relationship with somebody that we love in a vulnerable way, like I would imagine we're not opening the door for our partner to do that either. Exactly. Exactly. When we wall ourselves off, we invite the other to wall themselves off. Mm -hmm. We invite a reciprocal response. Hmm. Hmm. And the next two, the the last two in this circuit here is empathy, which is a skill to learn. And there's different levels and types of empathy. Mm -hmm. And then connection. Connection is learning to make those repairs when we when there's disconnection, right? I mentioned before harmony, disharmony, Mm -hmm. repair. Mm -hmm. This is the aspect where we learn to make repairs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, all each element, obviously very important in the circuit, because if one, one is not working, it's going to disconnect. Right. Yeah. So, but I would imagine, I guess all of them would be things that you would need to work on in in a relationship, but the repair feels harder sometimes you know, you don't have, you haven't had the models of how to yeah. come back and work through in a very present way, a conflict that, you know, whether you're hurt or feel betrayed or whatever it might be. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what, what skills are you helping couples with in terms of that repair and reconnection, I guess? Yeah. Well, I think the main skill, they're all important, right? All these aspects, just like you said, they're all important. There's all, we, I could talk about each oh. of these six things for days, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think part of the, the main skill is to move from individual thinking, reactivity, protection, mm. that sort of primitive part of our brain that reacts and moving to we thinking mm. connection. It's what we call being in our wise mind. And I, I love how you've been talking about your shift from that you're, you're making in your podcast and so on to yeah. wisdom. Yes. And for relationships, this is essential, is to be in our wise minds, which means we're not being reactive mm-hmm. and solely protective, but we are coming from the connected part of us and caring, right? There's empathy about the other person, risking our own vulnerability, holding ourselves accountable Mm -hmm. for how we influence the other person, how we influence this system that we live in. Mm. It's an ecological point of view. Yeah. And look, it's not simple. And it challenges a lot of what we've learned. It challenges a lot of the teachings in our society that we live in Mm -hmm. to do things differently. And it it often takes having support in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, it feels as if, and I don't know if this is a true researched trend, but I've been hearing from people who work in service industries. So, you know, relationships with people outside their intimate circles, but that there's much more of a, a me versus you and yes. aggressive, you know, truly aggressive behaviors towards others. So, you know, not entering into all relationships with this wise mind, us sort of perspective. And I don't know, it's disturbing for me on the one hand, but two, yeah, I'm just so much on a mission to, yeah, have everybody sort of reaccess that wiser part of themselves that can enter into conflict or whatever it might be, you know, and seeing us all as, as part of this, the world versus, yeah, yeah, just my own domain. Exactly. Mm. It's, we are experiencing a lot more of what you described that me thinking individuality. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that what will heal the world in many different ways is to move out of that thinking Mm -hmm. to a more integrated thinking that includes we Mm-hmm. And that we are part of something larger than ourselves, and that we have a responsibility towards others. Yeah. And towards and, our planet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I say it's an ecological way of thinking. Yeah. Love that. And, and as you mentioned, this isn't what I talk about in terms of conflict and connection or intimacy, even is not solely for romantic relationships, it's for all relationships, whether it's at work with, you know, extended family members, colleagues, friends, Mm -hmm. 
political parties, right? You know, across the divide. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, well, I would imagine that this work that you do with couples can be very challenging. I mean, I I would imagine it's amazingly rewarding, just like I feel like most therapy relationships are because we are working with people to move through the difficult stuff. But how do you go about taking care of you, Risa? (laughs) Thank you. Yes, us helpers have to take care of ourselves too, right? We do. We do. And I do, I take that really seriously because if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm I'm not modeling what I'm asking others to do. And look, I'm in it with everyone else. I have to do and work on these different things that we've been talking about this whole time myself on a daily basis. Mm. And I take care of myself in a variety of different ways, Mm. like my own therapy (laughs) with my trusted therapist (laughs) of over 20 years, right? Who I've seen on and off during all this, all the ups and downs of my life. Mm. And I do things like moving my body. That's really important to me. You know, there's a lot of stress that we're all undergoing in not just because of the pandemic, obviously, but just the daily life stressors. And even once the stress is over, we have to help our bodies move through that stress cycle and complete it. Yes. So moving our bodies is one of the best way. I have been a runner for many years, although as I grow older, my body is kind of screaming at me saying, do calmer things, do calmer (laughs) things. So these days it's more yoga and walking. Nice. But I might have a good cry, you know, a good cry as well. Yeah. It's very cathartic. Yes, absolutely. And I I would say now as I am in the, you know, I guess midlife stages of life Mm -hmm. in my 50s, I'm searching. I'm searching for ways for new self-expression, taking singing lessons and pursuing, finding some acting classes. And so- That's what I'm exploring these days in order to take care of myself. Nice. And of course, time with and apart from my my husband and my family, mm. as I cherish them very much. Yes, yes, yes. And I would imagine time with and away from work and your clients. Yes, <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> so if there were, I'm assuming, I don't know, you may be licensed in another state, but I know that you're licensed in Maryland. And if people wanted to find you and know more about you, how would they do that? Sure. So for my couples therapy practice, I am licensed here in Maryland and that's togethercouplescounseling.com. Kind of easy to remember, Mm -hmm. but I also provide coaching, uh, relationship intelligence coaching, and that can be done from wherever. Mm. And if people want more information about the power of conflict that we've been talking about today, I have a link that they can get that from. If you'd like me to say what that is, I can do that. It's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, that'd be great. Sure. It's bit.ly. So B B as in boy, Mm -hmm. it.ly slash mark power of conflict. And that'll get you, you know, a free PDF to review some of these things that we've talked about today and to stay connected with me if if people would like to. Nice. Awesome. I will uh, include those links in the show notes for the episode. Wonderful. Thank you. So I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I 
truly appreciate the work that couples therapists do because I know how important it can be in yeah, moving toward that connection and healing and working through stuff. So thank you. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me on here today. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Risa. I found her, well, I know her, but it was really great to connect with her on a deeper level about her work and how she helps couples work through conflict and why it's so important. I felt like what she shared about the intimacy circuit and that each component is so important just on its own, but then when there's disconnect from one of those components that it all short circuits really resonated with me. Just self-worth, boundaries, empathy, truth, vulnerability, each piece brings us closer to the person we're in relationship with. But this idea that all our relationships, whether it's with the world or with other humans or with our partners, that it's ecological. Like we are giving back. We are working with each other to build sturdier, healthier frameworks. And I love that this is the work that she's doing. And I hope that you got something from the conversation too. And that accessing that wisest part of ourself, your wise woman, your self, your core, your center, your whatever you call it, your soul, that this is the place to work from, that this is the place when we come from that space, kind of letting our ego go and allowing that each person deserves our attention and, and respect and honoring them for their views on the world, whatever they might be, but also tapping into that part of us that can be that grounded, centered, wise self, that that can build relationships, that can heal some of this us versus them in the world. And I hope that we all as a, as a country, but as, as citizens of the world, work harder on that. Well, I hope all of you bring some of this wonderful conversation into your week and the weeks ahead. Also, again, if you want to work with me and book a session, uh, whether it's a longer term relationship with me or a 90 minute session or just some of the free stuff on my website, you can find it at elizabethcushcoaching.com. All of Risa's resources and her links will be in the show notes, which you can also find on my website, elizabethcushcoaching.com. I hope you take care of yourselves, take care of your hearts, and lead in your life with your wise woman. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. 
The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.